But when you put a child in an adult correctional setting, as they're still forming their morals and values, the negative aspects actually become who they are. It is more a, a manufacturing a criminal than it is reforming a child who has the ability to be redeemed more than any other person. Welcome to KiteLine, a weekly radio program from WFHB that focuses on issues in the prison system and beyond. Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand to hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on KiteLine, we hope to share these words across the prison walls. Before starting with this week's theme, we wanted to share some prison-related news and announcements. Perilous Chronicle reports that three Michigan prisoners are facing repression for organizing. Here's their report. In early February, three men incarcerated at Chippewa Correctional Facility in Michigan's Upper Peninsula were accused of organizing a protest at the facility. In response, one man, Edward Terrell Walton, was put into solitary confinement. The allegations came in the wake of a letter sent in late January signed by three prisoners, Walton, Edward Roland Combs, and Eric Tobias Wolf, addressed to the governor of Michigan and the director of the Michigan Department of Corrections. The letter detailed unlivable conditions and other abuses at Chippewa. In response, the three men were retaliated against by the Chippewa administration. Walton was accused of organizing a protest inside the prison and received a misconduct for, quote, inciting a riot, unquote. This is where the two accounts diverge, however. The MDOC claims the prisoners were planning a protest inside the prison, while the three prisoners maintain that they were encouraging a protest outside the prison, potentially at the MDOC headquarters in Lansing. According to the MDOC, if there was any indication of a protest planned by prisoners inside of a prison, even a peaceful protest, that is enough cause to issue an inciting to riot misconduct ticket because, according to MDOC spokesperson Chris Gotts, inside the prison, quote, there's no such thing as a peaceful demonstration and prisoners are not permitted to engage in organized protest, unquote. Woods, one of the men facing retaliation, tells the story differently in an email to the Detroit Free Press in which he claimed that the response is, quote, to either cover up the problems at hand or in some way make us villains in order to stop us from pushing our claims, unquote. Combs described the situation similarly, claiming that all he did was, quote, exercise my First Amendment right to free speech, unquote. The letter from Woods, Walton, and Combs raised complaints related to forced labor, overcrowding, black mole in bathroom and shower areas, and a lack of racial diversity among prison officers that they say leads to abuse against prisoners of color. The MDOC denies all claims and even alleges to have sent an inspector from a different facility to come and look into the issues. The Indiana legislature is currently debating SB 449, which would expand the range of situations that would send children to adult court and adult prisons. As of 2017 to 2018, 69% of the cases where children were sent to adult court involved African-American children. Under the bill, children as young as 12 could be sent to adult prisons for certain felonies. This week, we feature an interview conducted by IDOC Watch with Abu Fahim Shabazz and Landis Reynolds, two Indiana prisoners who were themselves subject to childhood sentencing as adults. They reveal the high stakes and potential damage for children implied by SB 449's drive to harshly criminalize even preteens. Here they are. My name is 
Landis Reynolds. I was um, incarcerated as an adult a uh, month after my 16th birthday. Uh, after fighting my case for approximately 18 months, I was eventually convicted of murder and aggravated battery and sentenced to 50 years. I arrived at Wabash Valley Correctional Facility, which is an adult facility. Um, at the time, they had a program that uh, was titled Youth Incarcerated as Adults. And it was supposed to serve as a form of segregation from population for the juveniles, but in a lot of cases they had uh, adult offenders housed with the juveniles. And one of the main issues that I've seen with incarcerating juveniles as adults is juveniles don't have access to the, the rehabilitative tools that they need. And putting them in an adult environment, you expose them to adults that aren't necessarily looking to help a, a juvenile on that path to rehabilitation. And in most instances, it's a situation where they're exposed to more criminal behavior, more criminal thinking. With the current statute with waiving juveniles automatically at the age of 16, it's already bad enough because just in the 18 months that I spent in the county jail fighting my case, I didn't have anybody sit down with me and go over GED or help me with my math. In, in the 18 months that I was incarcerated, I was taught how to cook methamphetamine, steal people's identities. It, it, it was the opposite of what's supposed to be taking place in the correctional setting. Any in the Constitution... Uh, Article 1, Section 18 says that penal codes are supposed to be founded upon principles of reformation. And if that's the case, if legislators are supposed to be following our own Constitution, lowering the age of, of waiver for juvenile offenders is absolutely going against that. Uh, the vast majority of the juveniles that I was incarcerated with in the Youth Incarcerated as Adults program they went on to become addicted to drugs, uh, become victims of, of sexual abuse, uh, became more violent gang members. So if if the ultimate goal is, is reformation, placing a child who is – I, I think one of the major differences between – a child and an adult is an adult has already formed their morals and values, and when they enter the correctional setting, the the negative aspects of the of the correctional setting they can deal with those, but it doesn't become a part of who they are. But when you put a child in an adult correctional setting, as they're still forming their morals and values, the negative aspects actually become who they are. It is more a, a manufacturing a criminal than it is reforming a child who has the ability to be redeemed more than any other person. And in my experience within, um, I would say, two years of my incarceration, uh, I had became affiliated with the gang. Had it not been for the family support, which most juveniles don't have, I think that I would have definitely went in a, a 
much wor- down a much worse path. And a lot of the, the juveniles that are waived to adult court, they don't have that family support. They don't have the tools that they need to rehabilitate themselves. Recently, there was a, a law passed called, uh, is, is, is commonly referred to as Paul's Law, is Sensing Alternatives for Youthful Offenders. And I think they were headed in the right direction with that legislation where they were given juveniles that are waived to adult court and sentenced to adult time light at the end of the tunnel. The problem with that statute is it was discretionary, and it's not implemented with many juveniles to where they got that light at the end of the tunnel and and the tools and access to therapy and and the education that they they need to have access to. I think the, the current legislation that they're pushing for with lowering the age to where even juveniles can be waived to adult court is effectively throwing these kids away. Kids that in a lot of cases have already been thrown away in many ways by their families or different whatever hands they were dealt by society. If there's any legislation that needs to be implemented, it needs to be something that shows kids that they're worthy of being redeemed, that they're worthy of being rehabilitated. The adult correctional setting is it's not equipped to meet the needs of of juveniles. A lot of times when you place kids in an adult setting, the, the staff that are there, they're, they're not uh, in the headspace to deal with adults. A, a lot of times in the YA program where I was, they would pit us against each other. They would allow uh, juveniles to fight. They would egg on different fights. It was a, a really antagonistic environment. It wasn't an environment where they saw us for who we are and, and sought to help us to become better people or to truly embrace our rehabilitation. For a lot of the guys that I started out my sentence with, it led to them heading down past to, that made them into monsters, made them effectively irredeemable, unable uh, to be rehabilitated. Some of them have committed suicides. Like I said before, some of them are addicted to drugs. I don't think that the bill that's currently being proposed takes into effect the consequences of, of waiving juveniles to adult court at an earlier age and exposing them to these adult facilities. What's been enacted in, in all the prisons in Indiana is it's a federal mandate called the Prison Rape Elimination Act where what they start doing is housing minors in juvenile facilities until they turn 18 and then expose them to adult facilities. And in a, in a way that helps the minors, but in a way it doesn't. Because once they're exposed to these adult facilities at the age of 18, they're still thinking at the level that they were thinking when they were convicted of their crime. What this current legislation does is it focuses on the punishment for the crime. And again, going back to Article 1, Section 18 of the Indiana Constitution, the penal code is supposed to be founded upon principles of reformation and not vindictive justice. So in, in no part of our legislation for crime is punishment supposed to be a part of the end goal. Reformation should always be a part of the end goal. So the younger you expose 
a child to the penal setting, whether it be a juvenile facility or an adult facility, the less chance that these children have at actually being reformed or rehabilitated. They're exposed to a lot more negative things that over the span of their sentence, instead of being something that the longer they're exposed to it, the more it becomes a part of who they are as people. And that makes it a lot harder to rehabilitate. And effectively, the legislation that they're passing by sentencing a juvenile at a younger age to an adult sentence, you're actually manufacturing monsters. Because one thing that they don't understand is even if you give a 13-year-old kid an 80-year sentence, he's going to be back out on the streets, even if it's 40 years later. And if you sentence in a juvenile offender to 40 years and he spends 40 years in one of the worst facilities that he can spend time in, and every antisocial aspect of that facility becomes who he is and they send him back to the street, then if you're actually accomplishing the opposite of what you're supposed to be accomplishing with that legislation, which is reforming that individual and protecting the public. And that's what's, that's the scariest part of, uh, about that legislation is they're not thinking it all the way through. There's a stance, this get tough on crime stance, where they want to make a point or a sound bite that they can play on the news where a juvenile offender who was physiologically incapable of thinking at the level of adult may have committed an offense that people see as a, a, a horrible crime, but they don't understand the factors behind the crime or the factors that led the juvenile to commit the crime. And there being a lot of instances, they're being punished for the background they came from or other things that they had no control over. Me, myself, just going back to when I was sentenced, I was 17 years old, and I can remember sitting in the courtroom and listening to the prosecutor describe me in, in all these horrible ways and being that young, not knowing truly who I was as a person, where you you question whether or not this is the person that you truly are. You know who you are deep down, but the horrible ways that they describe you, you wonder if this is who you are. And then when I received my sentence, what they have recommended on the pre-sentence investigation report, they recommended 65 years on count one and 20 years on count two to be ranked consecutive for a total of 85 years. And the first thing that popped in my mind was I'm disposable. How can one split-second horrible decision define who I am as a person and put me in a position to where they've effectively taken away my life and given me any second chance at redeeming myself or proving who I truly am as a person? And a, a lot of times is these harsh sentences that shape a juvenile's the trajectory of of the rest of their life because when you give a, a juvenile a sentence that effectively says that they're disposable, that they're worthless, that they're not worth investing in or re redeeming or rehabilitating, and you send them to a facility where 
a lot of times when you receive these considerable sentences, you, you're sent to the worst facilities in the state, whether it be Wabash Valley Correctional Facility, uh, Indiana Reformatory, Indiana State Prison. These are the most violent, the most antisocial facilities. And you're placing a child in these facilities where they have no choice but to either be a victim or become a monster. And in a lot of instances, they become that monster that the prosecutors and law enforcement is trying to protect society from when all they had to do was invest the time and the effort into fixing the things that were wrong, and you could, instead of manufacturing a monster, manufacture somebody that can give back to society and, and right the wrongs that they committed. I, I just believe that this legislation is the absolute worst thing that they can do, and in the long run, it's going to be something that tears our communities apart instead of fixes our communities. How y'all doing? My name is Abu Fahim Sebas, and I'm calling from Westville, and I'm calling in in sight of the bill that they're trying to pass to lock the youth up at the age of 12. Well, I was locked up at the age of 14 years old, and I was waved in the dope. And I ain't going to tell no stories. It messed me up mentally, physically, and spiritually, emotionally. Being, I wasn't even capable enough to make sound decisions at the age of 14. My brain wasn't even fully developed. And at that, they gave me 50 years, and I ended up giving back 18 during 32 years. Um, I was waved in the dope. And sentenced to prison in 2002, 2003, I was sent to um, Wabash Valley Correctional Facility where the beginning of my prison term was messed up. I was violated by COs and the offenders and inmates. And at the time, it was real racist in Carlisle, Indiana. That's the prison I was in, Wabash Valley Prison in 2002, 2003. And they called me with the NIG. And I was violated on so many levels, it didn't make sense to the point the police ran inside my cell, beat me up, they hog-tied me, shot me with a, a medicine called Hell Dog and Prolixin. I went into allergic reaction to the seizure and my tongue swelled up to where they watched me bite my tongue into the seizure, laughing at me through the door. And to this day, I'm missing 15% of my tongue. I couldn't speak for a year. I had to go through ear, nose, and throat, learning to speak again, and it was real hard. These are some of the trials and tribulations I went through as a teenager, getting locked up because I was so young. The the police thought they could do anything to me, say anything to me, violate me any type of way, and since I was a juvenile, they wouldn't be held accountable. After that, they ended up sending me to a uh, max prison, Pendleton, ISR, Indiana State Reformatory. And I, at the age of 16, I was straight in population with everybody that was older. And that was uh, an enlightening moment in my life because I didn't think that I could be around the older guys and 16 years old, around people that got two and 300 years. I'm not going to lie, I was scared. It had to the point to where people made advances, sexual advances, to where I had to defend myself and fight for my life. It was one instant where... This one dude kept on making advances to the point of 
it was either I was going to have to protect myself or give myself. And I was always taught to fight for myself. So basically that's what I had to do. I had to fight for myself. I went through situations at Pendleton that juvenile shouldn't never have to go through. It was points of to where I had to write down letters to my mother in my box because I didn't know whether I was going to live or die the next day. You know what I mean? Because I was, what, 120 pounds. You got these dudes around me that's 250, 260, and they grown and they muscular and they just scary. And it seems like the legislators and the the, the policy and procedure holders and society that put me there, it was like they really didn't care about my well-being because my well-being wasn't being taken care of ever since my tongue messed up. So when the judge sentenced me, they didn't just sentence me to reform. They sentenced me to have a missing piece of tongue, to possibly have your um your manhood. You have one minute remaining. To possibly... The unimaginable. So by me being locked up as a youngster, it did not help whatsoever. As a juvenile, they could have did so many other things to help me mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and it wasn't done on no level. So what I'm basically saying is I do not want them to pass this bill. Locking people up at an earlier age doesn't statistically say that it's going to help. In fact, it's going to harm them more because I'm a living statistic after doing 20 years in the penitentiary. If I didn't have the support of the people I did, I would be more messed up than ever. It teaches you things that you don't want to be taught. Like, how can you say that you're going to reform when there's no programs in the prisons to help reform? The college is taken out. Um, when you try to get in programs, they don't involve you. It brought a lot of negative things to me because how could you say that you would put me here to reform or to better myself when there's no classes to help better? There's no counseling classes. There's no educational classes. And when you do try to get in something educational, it's a waiting list or you're out there too long for you to get into it. So... I don't understand what they're saying this reform or even helping the problem. It seems as though you're just trying to make the situation even worse because you're putting an innocent child into a facility to where it's negative all around them and you don't have anything positive for that child to do. What do you think is going to happen? It's going to be a negative outcome or a negative situation. I've had the same police who supposed to protect me under the state law, beat me up or plant drugs on me or plant write-ups. Even now, in the future, now I just went through a situation to where I'm on a parole violation and PCOs and nurses that wrote up bogus write-ups to where the superior lieutenant and sergeant said that it wasn't true, and I still end up being locked up for a certain amount of time where your religious preferences is being denied. The grievance process do not work because they don't respond. The appeal process do not work because they do not respond. I don't understand how passing a bill to lock children up will help society. Like, I just don't see where locking a 12-year-old child up that's not even made it to high school yet 
haven't even got a license, haven't even rode a car, haven't done anything, how can you sentence that child to a dope prison and dope facility and expect that that child will be okay mentally, physically, or spiritually, or even sexually? Because there's been several accounts where I was at Pendleton where they had juveniles there. They got raped, and it was all over the news. You have 14 and 15-year-olds around, men who got two, 300 years. They take advantage of that. And it's like the state doesn't seize that. Like the legislators is not foots on the ground. They're not in the situation. They're not involved in the process. They just know of it or they're just writing bills for it. They're not in here. They're not witnesses. They're not going through the terror that we go through. They're not going through whether I'm having to write my mother a letter in a box because I know this grown man might try to take my life or might try to take my manhood and I got to go out and put books all over my chest and hardback books this and have to potentially hurt somebody when I'm just trying to do the time that the state gave me and reform myself. Now, how is that justice? Let's re let's rewind. You put me as a juvenile in the facility. I'm put in a situation to where I have to protect my manhood and possibly hurt or kill someone. That's basically putting me in a situation for failure. So again, to the the answer, no, I don't think they should pass the bill, and I pray with all my heart that they do not pass the bill because I'm a juvenile and I've been locked up since 14, and it does nothing but harm me, hurt me physically, mentally, spiritually, sexually, emotionally, on so many different levels. It's hard when I be around a lot of people out there in the world. It's like, it's just... It's not good. It's not good. If you're a juvenile, give them juvenile life to the 18 or 21. But being around grown men that could take advantage of them, that's not cool. That's like putting a a puppy around a grown dog. That's not going to mix well. It's always going to be a big I or a little you. Or I can take his commissary. Or I can take his manhood. Or I can take this from because he's young. And it's even with the police. The police would rather pick on the juvenile than pick on the grown man that they know they can hurt them. So, yes, and, and through the 20 years that I did, I was always the butt end of the COs beating me up, picking on me. I was always the butt of the joke of the little guy. I was called Lil' J, and they used to pick on me because I was the littlest guy. And that's from me being a juvenile. So I have plenty of stories to tell, and I wrote some, too. So I hope this gives whoever listening a better judgment to vote against that bill because that bill shouldn't be passed. Because if that bill is passed, what you're going to have is a lot and lot of tragedy that cannot be stopped. You're gonna you're gonna ruin hundreds and thousands of lives of juveniles when they could have had a second chance. So if you want to have that on your conscience that you ruin a 12 year old's life from his mother or from his sister or from his brother or from himself, then pass the bill. But if you can't live with that, do the right thing and do not let this bill pass. Vote against this bill. Because it's not helping us juveniles, and you're talking to one that was locked up since 14 years old. I'm speaking from experience. I'm not speaking from reading it on paper. I'm not speaking from an essay. I'm not speaking from a book. I'm speaking from the heart. That's why sometimes when I'm talking, I stutter because it's not anything wrote. 
I'm speaking of stuff that went on in my actual life in the penitentiary. It's not cool. It's not cool. I promise you all, it's not cool at all. I hope I got through to some people. If you want to reach me, you know how to reach me on the GTL. If I can explain more in depth, I will. Just go to the website, and hopefully by that time it will be a 3,000-character page on why this bill should not be passed because no 12-year-old deserves to be in an adult facility around grown men and get sentenced as a grown man when they haven't even lived yet. This has been KiteLine. You can hear previous episodes of our show at wfhb.org forward slash KiteLine. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. KiteLine, WFHB, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the opinions expressed on the show. Please join us every Friday for more stories, news, and insights about the impact of prison on our community. Thank you for listening.